Daniel Hunter, trade rumors are heating up. According to Ian Rappaport, let's talk about exactly what those rumors mean and where it puts the Vikings. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast. You liked it on three, one, two, three. You, like you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Luke Braun, and let's find some joy today. You can find the Locked On Vikings podcast wherever you find your favorite shows, whether it is uh, Spotify or Apple or any uh, audio platform, YouTube, or even Amazon Fire or Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. You can also find any Locked On podcast on SiriusXM's app. We are now partnered with them as well. Thank you so much to all of my hashtag everydayers who make Locked On Vikings their first listen of the day each and every day. Super, super grateful for all of you. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL. And when you enter when you enter promo code locked on NFL, they're throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. Today on the show, of course, we got to talk about the big rumor thing that happened. Uh, Ian Rappaport went on NFL Network. There are a couple NFL Network people, I think, at Vikings OTAs today and uh, or on on Wednesday and reported that, hey, they're getting a lot of calls about Daniel Hunter. Now, the wording of all of these things is always incredibly precise, especially when it comes to guys like Pelissero and, and Rappaport. They are also always very, very precise with exactly what they are and aren't allowed to say. This was more about that there is a lot of trade interest in Daniel Hunter. So this isn't a Zadarius Smith-style thing where you're just trying to dump him off to whoever's going to take on the contract. This is teams calling and hearing, hey, they're struggling to work out a contract. And what I think was honestly most interesting about the Ian Rappaport thing was that the Vikings had tried to get a Band-Aid-style deal done. Essentially, a, hey, let's just figure out the money for 2023 and we can revisit this next year kind of deal. And I think... Daniel Hunter, who has done that, that now for a few years now, said, nah, well, let's get something worked out. And now the Vikings are doing that, and that is a challenge. So when you hear that there's a challenge, you go a-calling, and that the Vikings are not exactly hanging up right away, right? Um, so that's that's an interesting dynamic, and I think there are. it's really easy to look at that and then, like, graph on a lot of preconceived notions, preconceived notions onto it, right? You can look at it and say, you know, I mean, really all you can take is what it is at face value. Teams are calling the Vikings. The Vikings are in a difficult contract negotiation with the Neil Hunter. Uh, and that, and that's it. That's all you can take is that teams have kind of smelled blood in the water that maybe things won't get worked out contract wise. And they have called, but if you are obsessed with wanting there to be like locker room drama or something. You really want to manufacture a story out of this. Like I know that there's like clickbait outlets that are going to do this. Um, you could really make a big deal out of, oh, Daniel Hunter is not happy with his contract. He's not happy in Minnesota. He wants out of Minnesota. And and that's not what Ian Rappaport said. That's not at all, right? So it's, it's really easy to like graph that on or to say, oh, you know, the Vikings are trying to tank now. They're trying to rebuild. This is a rebuilding move. Um, I saw people kind of saying, oh, is this a, a rebuilding thing? And... Again, that's not what Ian Rappaport said. It's not the Vikings trying to trade Daniel Hunter. It's other teams trying to acquire him and the Vikings saying, all right, what's your price? But 
that dynamic, and this is the 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 best information I guess I can the best thing I can say for you, uh, dear listener, is to talk about the dynamic and and where it leaves us rather than trying to speculate on what the compensation will be, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I have no idea what the compensation will be. Um, it depends on a whole bunch of factors that I'm not really familiar with. Like what, cause you know, whoever does trade, if somebody does trade for Daniel Hunter, they're going to have to sign him to a new contract. And I don't know what that contract is. And you know, if that is a huge deal, that's going to deflate the draft price. I don't know how teams are valuing the fact that he had a, pretty concerning back injury a couple years ago that does not go away that that risk remains for the rest of his career um going a couple years without reaggravating that he got an unrelated pec injury um but going a couple years without reaggravating that is definitely encouraging though so hopefully it's not too much in the forefront of anybody anybody's mind anymore but it's still there then you still just kind of you just look at it there's a lot of surface level like i don't know man he went two years he only played six games like hmm um even though he played the whole season last year but to me, the dynamic is, if you're thinking of it from the Vikings' perspective, it's we want to get Daniel Hunter re-signed. We want to figure out the money, and we want to keep Daniel Hunter. That that you can get from Ian Rappaport's uh, NFL Network hit, where they're, they tried to get a Band-Aid-style deal done to, to figure out the money for just one year and kind of keep it temporary. Um, but a long-term deal is something that that is difficult to do, but it is something that they are like looking at, right? So there's that, and then there's the fact that other teams want Daniil Hunter, and you add those two things together, and you can get that the Vikings are not trying to get rid of Daniil Hunter, but if a godfather offer comes, then we say yes to it, right? We're not, it's not like Justin Jefferson is a non-starter, right? Justin Jefferson ain't going anywhere. Um, If somebody calls trying to trade for Justin Jefferson, you hang up the phone, but hey, somebody calls for Daniel Hunter and we'll, we'll listen to what you have to offer. If you're going to come in and say, Hey, Hey, we'll give you like a fourth and a backup cornerback. You're going get out of here. Right. But if you say, look, we'll start the bid. We're really serious about this. We're going to start the bidding at one at a, at a first and a fourth. Okay. But maybe we have a conversation, right? Depending on what team that is, there could be a world. And I, again, I have no idea what the compensation is. So there could be a world where he gets offloaded for a third round pick because he gets so mad at the contract negotiation that he refuses to play for you. Sure. Yeah. There's an outcome that could happen. Uh, there's also an outcome where a team gets really desperate for Daniel Hunter and calls and says, we'll give you a first and a second next year. And also we're, you know, the Arizona Cardinals and that's going to be a high first and a high second. Well, yeah, okay, like that has like a huge outsized impact for a team that's going to be like looking for a quarterback. Like that's a really that's that we can be opportunistic here, right? So just the fact that they're picking up the phone does not betray like a desire to get rid of Daniel Hunter. Just means they're listening, and I think it's always wise to listen, right? Even to the most even to Justin Jefferson trades. Like who knows? Maybe they say we'll give you three firsts and three seconds and our star quarterback for him. You go, okay, well, maybe we think about that. <laughs> um, that's where I think we're at dynamic wise on Daniel Hunter. But in, in a greater sense, I think it is, it behooves us, I guess, not to go too crazy speculating. And I think it's really, again, really easy to do that. And, and even, even I'm uh, guilty of this sometimes where like for me, the default state of affairs when there is a contract negotiation is this sort of implicit understanding on both sides that it's a business. I, I, I think that that's fairly universal unless specified otherwise. You can kind of assume that that's where everybody's at. And if they're not at 
that place and they do take contract things personally, you're probably going to hear about it. You'll be able to differentiate those scenarios. So for me, I'm kind of assuming that that's the dynamic here until I hear like a direct report to the contrary. But here's the other thing. Um, It's not always when it comes to these reports, if you're going to try to read subtext, like you can take what's at face value, take that to the bank, all right? Ian Rappaport said the teams are calling about Daniel Hunter. You can take that to the bank. Teams are calling about Daniel Hunter. Now, you can't say teams are calling with a first-round offer, with a fourth-round offer, with player offers. You, you, We don't know any of that. You have to kind of get that from subtext. You can't say that Daniel Hunter is mad at the Vikings. We, he, Ian Rappaport didn't say that. You can't take that to the bank. You can't take that, you know, the, the relationship is souring or anything like that. You can't take that to the bank and, unless somebody, like, actually has the balls to report it but that gets a little weird um i i'm not out of things to say on this so we'll keep going here um i also have an everyman series entry for somebody who maybe stands to benefit if daniel hunter is traded because when it comes to summer transactions it's always a little bit zero sum one person exits it becomes an opportunity for someone else so we'll get into a little bit of an everyman thing there as Well, but before I do that, I want to say thank you to the sponsor of today's episode, which is Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs sells pants, and those pants make you look good. For example, their stretch khaki shorts, which which are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and give your leg that sculpted, jacked, yoked, absolutely swole bro kind of look that you may be going for. Uh, they have shorts that do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. And they are made of a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki and will give you that same kind of fashion, but it's not that stiff, restricting cotton that you will see from, uh, regular shorts a lot of the time. And they use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNFL and enter promo code LockedOnNFL for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNFL for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off, we promise you. I want to extend another thank you to those of you who listen to this show first thing every single day. My hashtag, everydayers. Love you guys. Sound off if you can, and if you want to, you can go check out a video on Jay Ward. Uh, on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash NFL. Also, if you're not a patron, you can watch the Ed Ingram video from last week. It's now open to everybody, so you can go check that out. And you, I, I actually get up and show, I do, I'm pretty sure I do like a kick slide or something in it, uh, if I remember. So if you want to see that, go check it out. But to continue on with this, there is something really, really important you have to know. If you want to try to read the tea leaves on Daniel Hunter, and I know everybody does, right? Very few people are satisfied with, oh, they're getting phone calls about Daniel Hunter. And to be frank with you, they have been getting phone calls about Daniel Hunter for years, right? You're always getting phone calls about stuff. Um, GMs will call each other with random crazy ideas all the time. Vast majority of them never get off the ground floor, but you could always report that and be like, oh, somebody called the Chiefs about Patrick Mahomes. And you could probably make something out of that, even though it was somebody calling the Chiefs about Patrick Mahomes or something super unserious that never went anywhere. And they were talking about pancakes 10 minutes into the conversation. You could still get there, right? If you want, if you framed it the right way. Um, so that's one thing. And I'm sure people are like not going to be satisfied with, it does not satisfy enough of our like innate curiosity to look at a, a report that is, Teams are calling the Vikings about Daniel Hunter. We really want to know what's going to happen. What's he going to get, get the Vikings in return? 
what's the real nature of this situation? We want to know way more than that, right? Um, so if you're going to try to speculate, go for it, right? That's That can be fun. But let me give you a little bit of life advice on all this. For one, try your best not to make up a situation to get mad at. I see a lot of people doing that. I've seen a ton of that. If you look at the like the responses to... Uh, you know, everybody's put out their article and their piece. I'm sure you're going to see it in the YouTube comments here. And if you do see it in the YouTube comments, know that they did not listen this far into the episode and you can make fun of them for that. <laughs> but you see a lot of like, oh my God, they're going to get rid of him for a fifth round pick. Quasi is tanking. Like all that is going to be a sentiment that it's this rebuild move. They're finally doing the rebuild. We've been craving since, I don't know, the last time they were in a rebuild, which is like 2011, which is a year that people still don't want to think about because they're so traumatized by it. But I guess we crave it again, so <laughs> I, that's where people might take it. And again, you can, you can, whatever preconceived notion you have, which is that you know, well, the the Vikings really they want to be tanking, but they just can't quite do it yet. Well, now they finally are doing. They're finally pulling the trigger. They got their 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 courage, and they're finally doing the tank thing. They're getting rid of Daniel Hunter. That's made up. If you see people say that, they made that up. That's not what anything has been reported unless they are saying sources tell me the Vikings are trading away Daniel Hunter because they want to tank. Unless somebody's got the balls to actually say that that is their report. I don't believe it. And it's made up until otherwise proven. Um, and, and it's really easy to make that up to, to say, you know, to do that defensive pessimism thing that so many Vikings fans do that, well, they're going to get rid of him. They're only going to get like a fifth back. And then if, if something better happens, you get to be pleasantly surprised, but you spend the whole time agonizing about it. And really you just, I feel like you just kind of wanted to be mad. So you made up a situation to get mad at. Um, and I want to just caution you not to do that. If you're going to speculate, you don't have to make stuff up. We can look at that and say, okay, well they're, they're listening on Daniel Hunter. And if I am going to try to profile Quasi, we don't know all that well yet, but we, we at least got one year on him. If I were try to, to try to profile Quasi and say, why would he listen to deals on Daniel Hunter? He's a Wall Street guy. Of course he's going to listen to deals because you don't know what people are going to do. Maybe it is, you know, something like the Diggs trade where you get a first and significant change. Like, what if you got a first round pick from a team that picks in the top five? That is a possibly worth it thing for Daniel Hunter for Justin Jefferson. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I would take that, but for Daniel Hunter, who you've already got plenty out of who, you know, is going to require a big contract and, and all that. And, um, I don't, I think with his injury history does not carry the value he once carried. He still carries lots and lots of value though. I mean, we're not talking about a third round pick here. You can maybe make an argument for that. Right. And at the crux of that, the argument you could make is, well, I don't know that there isn't an offer like that out there. I don't think that there's an offer. Personally, I, Luke, don't think that there's an offer like that out there. I, th I think that's more than other teams are willing to pay. And to be honest, I think that the Vikings are going to demand more than teams are willing to pay. And I, and I don't see a trade getting done, if I had to guess. But that's raw speculation. Who knows? But we can't know that that offer is not out there. And therefore, picking up the phone is probably a good idea. And that probably applies to every single dynamic out there, as long as you're not causing a political problem by picking up the phone. Like if you've got a player that is particularly sensitive to that and you, and you don't want to like ruin the politics, the relationship you have with the team because they find out you were fielding trade offers and they, now they think that they're undervalued or something. Um, as long as you feel like you can manage that relationship well, there's kind of no downside to picking up the phone. So if I'm putting myself in Quasi's shoes, yeah, of course I'm picking up the phone. I don't know what that guy's going to say. I'm not, I 
there's no commitment to picking up the phone. So sure, I'll pick up the phone, right? And again, it's really easy to say, man, I really want the Vikings to trade away all of their expensive players so that they can rebuild. They're picking up the phone. Look, they're doing it. You know, it's really easy for me to graft for, for, for anyone to graft what they want onto what little that they've heard that isn't actually saying that. I guess that's the main point that I, I want you to, to come away with. And again, this is happening at, at like all levels of the story because nobody gets to know where Daniil Hunter's camp is on this. So everything you hear, it's notoriously tight-lipped. It, everything you hear is going to be kind of a one-sided deal. You're going to hear what people's Viking sources have to say on that. Not like those people are lying or anything like that. Not like the like, and certainly not that the people reporting are lying to you. Um, but understand that when you hear a report like this from Ian Rappaport, that's very rumory and very like speculative. And hey, you know they're maybe fielding calls. Kind of when when information like that is put out there, understand that that's out there for a reason. That Ian Rappaport is not allowed to go on NFL Network and say whatever he wants. He's, I mean, I guess he is, it's a free country, but he is not going to do that because there are relationships at stake. He is going to say whatever preserves his relationships, right? That's the the whole, whole shape of the insider beat reporting industry is for people to say what they have the blessing to say. So who gave Ian Rappaport the blessing to say that? I don't know. I don't, I don't know that maybe it was Quasi, maybe it was, Maybe he he does have somebody in Daniel Hunter's camp that wants you know Daniel Hunter to get traded, so we're gonna do that. Who knows? But if you're gonna speculate, keep that in mind and don't make up a situation to get mad at. Don't make up a situation to get excited about either. Don't say, oh, they're gonna trade Daniel Hunter for two first round picks because you don't know. You just don't know. Nobody knows. Quasi doesn't know. Daniel Hunter doesn't know. Tom Pelissero doesn't know. You don't know. I don't know. We do not know. Um, and and keep that in mind and don't just say. Don't just make up whatever makes you feel the most right and then say that's the thing that's going to happen. It's okay to refuse to make a prediction. That's what I'm going to do here. We'll see what happens, right? It'll all shake out two months from now. This won't be a talker anymore. Uh, or three months from now, because we'll be in season. All of this said, there is somebody who is probably watching this with great interest. Somebody who's on the roster bubble of that edge rusher group, and if you take one name out... You suddenly go from, I don't know if I'm going to make the team, to there's a starting job open. Uh, that's the other thing about this. If you lose Daniil Hunter, if he does get traded away, Marcus Davenport is the only entrenched starter on that team. Suddenly you DJ Wanham, Patrick Jones, and the other guy that's a returning rostered member of the Vikings edge room, Luigi Villan. So let's go into his story next on the Everyman series on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. Luigi Villan has a funny name. This is fact. <laughs> He is literally named Luigi Villain. Uh, the name is actually French in origin. Um, his, I think his grandfather, his father was named Louis, and they decided to mix him up, mix it up and go with Luigi. And that's, that's where that comes from. Villan is French because he's from Canada. He's, he grew up in Ottawa, and so he's a French Canadian. I think it's funny in the pros when you, you, you haven't spent a long time getting to know these players, the vast majority of our discourse on him and then i think this is just whimsical fun is about how his name kind of sounds like a like he's a mario villain he's he's waluigi he's the villain luigi i mean that's like that's what he is right um but the unfortunate thing is that it obscures so much more about who luigi villan is and honestly what he has 
fought through and accomplished so far just in making the team last year is an accomplishment worth celebrating. But to understand that, you have to go all the way back to when he moves to the United States. He moves to Virginia before his junior year of high school. So he is moving schools before his junior year um, as an immigrant to the country. Moving countries, the whole deal. And what is helping him is that he grows up to be like 6'4", 240. So that'll help you in high school football. As a high schooler, he said he'll he'll be the first to admit it. He was not in the best shape uh, for. I mean, he grew up so big that like it didn't matter. You're going up against you know these like 16 year olds that you you can just kind of dust uh, when you're that size. But there was a lot of bad weight on it, right? Um, but you can kind of tell that oh man, if we can like get this dude in a, a little bit tighter around the edges. Uh, then you've got this like crazy freakish athlete and he's got this big frame that jumps out to you so much, especially on the recruiting circuit. You know, by the time you get to the NFL, that's a little more normal, but not that. I mean, six, four, not that, not that normal. Like that's, that's tall. Uh, and for an edge, that's great, right? You, that, that reach that lankiness and you can use that. The recruiting process, he gets a little bit from Wake Forest, but uh, mostly he is interested in going to Michigan, he ends up going to Michigan and he meets during this process with, uh, Greg Madison, who's the D line coach who told him, Hey, you got to show up to camp in, in shape. All right. Like you got to get serious about that. And then you'll have a chance to really compete here. And he says, okay. And he takes that like super, super seriously. And, uh, he works out, I think with Quiddy pay and who I think was with the, uh, same recruiting class as him. Um, lost a whole bunch of the bad weight, slimmed down to like 237, I think is where he was listed in his freshman year uh, at, at Michigan, and even put on a little bit of bulk, eventually getting up to 245, showed up ready to work. And he says like he was in the best shape of his life. But unfortunately, that was not meant to be, because in his first fall camp, he feels that signature pop in your knee, and he ends up blowing out a ligament, he apparently had an injury, a minor injury in his knee that he didn't know about. And so when he got started getting real work on it, it turned into a real tear. And then he went from the I'm sculpting and shaping my body process to the rehab process, which is a similar sort of level of tedium, but of course requires a lot more patience. We talked a whole bunch about this yesterday and we talked a lot about momentum. When you are a high school football player, you get into the shape that your body kind of naturally gets into, right? Um, you condition, you lift, you, you run, and you end up sort of naturally finding what you're comfortable with because you're in that shape. Your body is that weight and, and that level of body fat and body mass index, index and stuff. So you learn to play with that body shape. Um, when you have to go through a rehab process, you maybe lose that shape. Maybe you lose weight, you gain weight, whatever, and you have to get back into that shape. It's really difficult to get precisely back onto it. And that's part of that momentum thing that we talked about yesterday where you you sit out a year and now suddenly you're the guy that is, is a comeback story rather than the guy that was a really exciting recruit that was six foot four and 240. But he, he approaches this whole thing the first time around with a really good attitude. He says, you know, hey, I, like I kind of thought, look, it's it happens. Like this is just a thing that people have to overcome. It happens to people. Um, so the real mental test comes near the tail end of that rehab process 
when he feels a pop in the other knee. Total stroke of bad luck. Nothing you can do to prevent it. No reason. It's just that God decided it's your turn to suffer. Uh, that is a mental challenge because you were getting there. You you saw the light at the end of the tunnel, and now you have to start all the way over through this difficult process. It's it's acceptable. Hey, you know, sometimes guys' knees get hurt. But two separate unrelated knee injuries in two consecutive years is an undeniable bad beat. And it's really hard to come to grips with an undeniable bad beat. That's a bigger mental challenge. And and he gets through it. He credits his a lot of his Michigan teammates, many of the names that you would recognize, like Sean Gary, um, when he was his first year, Chase Vinovich, Maurice Hurst, Taco Charlton, they were all seniors uh, or juniors like those guys. He credits a lot of those, a lot of his teammates. Uh, there's some other names I know I'm forgetting uh, with helping him get through that and, and through that rehab process. But the other thing is a lot of rehab, like it's not just surgery recovery. And it's not just rebuilding strength in, in like that knee, right? You're not rehabbing the knee necessarily through the rehab process. You get surgery, the knee gets fixed, you wait until it's healed enough to get back out there. And then over that time, because you can't walk or anything like that, muscles atrophy. And so it's rebuilding that strength is the, re, is, is the long, arduous part of the rehab process. And the more invasive the surgery, the longer the recovery, the longer the rehab, right? So when you're almost back to full strength on that leg, and then you have to get off your feet again to go let the other leg heal. The first leg, you're going to lose all that progress. So now you're rehabbing functionally from scratch both legs at the same time for unrelated injuries. The fact that he got back on the field at all is remarkable. But like we talked about with this momentum thing uh, yesterday, that you know guys are on a certain path. You're supposed to come in as a freshman, and maybe you're redshirt, then you get in a little bit as a sophomore, then junior senior year you're a starter and you know and then you're you're doing your draft stock. When that cadence gets disrupted by an injury or or you know transfer or something else, now you have to fight uphill to get back on that track, to get back on that pace. His first year is as functionally his freshman year, he gets in spot duty. He makes like 7 tackles. The whole year he gets he's, he's going in mostly late in games like he's not a starter. And then his second year, which is his fourth year in college, mind you, but it's only his second year of like playing football because he's been hurt is 2020. And the Michigan Wolverines will pay, play six years in 2020. He will get in for five of them and he plays pretty well. He, he you know, gets a lot of production, but he's also competing for time with Quiddy Pay, who would be a first round pick. Um, with Aiden Hutchinson, who's just a year behind him. He's competing for time with all these guys. Combine that with a truncated season, and it feels like Luigi Villan's career didn't really take off the way that it's supposed to. Um, so he's he gra graduates, or he's like slated to graduate when he makes this this decision, and he decides he's going to enter the grad transfer portal. And Or is it, is it grad transfer portal, or is it just he will grad transfer? I don't actually know what the terms are, but... He's going to go somewhere else where he can get a little bit more work done. And Wake Forest, who had recruited him earlier in the process, um, is at the forefront of his mind. Part of that, too, is that those guys, he, they just got a couple of guys drafted in that 2021 class, uh, Carlos Basham and Duke Ejiofor. And the, 2020, the, the 2021 Wake Forest Demon Deacons, welcome, Luigi Villan. Um That 2021 Wake Forest line is pretty intense. Three guys, including Villan, get double digit sacks. And I think that really feels like, okay, you've now had a year as a starter that NFL teams can look at and say, do I want you? 
but because you're still just fighting, like you're supposed to get that, you know, by year three, he was supposed to have that by 2019. It's now 2021 and he's, it's 2022 and he's going for the draft. So teams are not seeing that as much. And, uh, through all that rehab and all of those setbacks, he doesn't get drafted. And I think it's pretty understandable to see why. But from there, you know the story. And for being that far behind the pace, as an undrafted free agent, a great way to wash all of that stink off of you. You can have the most dysfunctional college career in the world. But if you go into camp and you make the damn team, now you're the guy, a guy that made the team last year. And that's what Luigi Villan comes into this year as. He is a guy who made the team last year. He is, this is now status quo. And it's up to the Andre Carters of the world. Uh, or whoever else to to break that status quo. The numbers game is the same as it was last year. Minus is a Darius Smith plus a Marcus Davenport, um, and you know undrafted free agents and, and futures contracts guys and stuff. Um, so that's the status quo. You want to talk about a guy like Andre Carter? He's trying to beat Luigi Villan, and Luigi Villan has to just maintain that status quo and. Theoretically, he can make the roster unless the Vikings decide to keep fewer ends or whatever, and there's not a lot you can do about that other than make yourself uncuttable by playing so well that you just can't justify it. Um, but he's back on for the first time since getting hurt in that that very first fall camp at Michigan. He is back on the pace of a guy who's sort of got the high ground in a position battle, and that is an accomplishment in and of itself worth lauding for Luigi Valen. I have no idea what we're going to talk about tomorrow, but I will figure out something. Maybe more of this everyman stuff. Maybe I'll do some X's and O's. I'm thinking about doing some run game stuff. Uh, but, you know, we'll get into whatever we get into. I will see you all for that whatever it is tomorrow. And as always, skull.